Please stand for the reading of our gospel message, which is from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasene, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. The people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasene asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, 
for your servant is listening. Amen. You've just heard Kathy read the story of Jesus casting the demons into swine. That's not what my sermon is going to be about, but it is the theme for today. It is the subject of some of the prayers we've shared and will share and some of our hymns. And I really wanted to keep this scripture in here because it only comes up once every three years and it has the potential for the best sermon title ever. Like if we were those churches that had the sermon title out front, Jesus cast the demon out of swine. Ready? Devil him. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's my very favorite. <laughs> but instead, today, I'm going to model or follow Paul's model of writing letters to the churches. I've written letters to several other churches. I've written to the Marlowites, to the Brattleboronians, to the Lydonites, to the Sunapians, and to the Granthamites, and now the Concordians. <laughs> Even other secular types of messages sometimes come in the form of a good word, the benediction, a good message. Some of you might have seen on Facebook a page for the Bangor, Maine Police Department. There is someone there who writes the funniest, most charming, meaningful posts, and he always ends them with, this is the police remind you, keep your hands to yourself, leave other people's stuff alone, and be kind to each other. We will be there. Isn't that what you want your police department to say to you? That they will be there no matter what. And to give a little guidance. I had a, uh, an employer one time, Peter Wright, who had on his wall um, the rules about kindergarten. And they're the same rules that we follow today. Keeping our hands to ourselves, leaving people's stuff alone, right? And be kind to one another. In the letters that we find in the Bible, there are many important messages. I'm going to synopsize a couple. The first is from Galatians. This is a letter where Paul talks about divine grace through faith in Jesus. And this is against the Judaizing doctrine of works of the law, right? So he's reminding us that our faith is what's important. Our works will follow. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by our faith. And one of the most poignant parts of Galatians 6 is in Galatians 6, verse 2, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I hope that that's a part of my message that you will take away today, to bear one another's burdens. Because one of the most important things we read in the Bible over and over and over and over again is to love one another. And one of the ways we can do that is to bear one another's burdens. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes a letter of congratulations and comfort. And he exhorts that church to further progress, to continue their work. One of the verses here comes in chapter 5, verse 11. Again, to love one another. 
Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. When we talk about an edifice, sometimes we're talking about a building, but the real work of the church, the body of Christ, is to edify one another, to build each other up. And so I'd like that to be a part of my message that you remember today too, to encourage one another. In 2 Thessalonians, it's written about the immediacy of Jesus' return. They are convinced that Jesus' second coming is going to be then and there the next week. And Paul says, not so fast. Go back to normal Christian living. Take the time to study what it is that you've been taught, how it is you're called to live in community with each other. In 1 Corinthians, he's talking about church problems. Paul writes this letter to solve a problem of manners and morals and beliefs within the church. The letter demonstrates that lamentable conditions in the church do not characterize the post-apocalyptic church alone. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about his conception of his ministry, about his apostolic ministry, and about his relation to the churches that he founded and nurtured. In Romans, we read about justification by faith for Jews and Gentiles alike, about Christian unity. Romans is a more formal book because Paul didn't intimately know many of the Christians there like he did in the other churches that he worked so closely with. The piece from Romans I want to leave with you is from chapter 15, verse 5. Again, this idea to love one another, right? May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had. Let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. In Philemon, it's a plea for the runaway slave, Onesimus. And it's a simple letter of, let's help this situation. In Colossians, he writes about Christ as head of the church and what are the practical implications of this high Christology for everyday life. In Ephesians, he talks about the church as the body of Christ. Love one another, right? He talks about the spiritual privileges and responsibilities of the church. And Ephesians seems not to have been written in response to a particular circumstance or controversy. Rather, it has almost a meditative quality. Philippians is a friendly note of thanks. Thanks for the financial assistance that was being provided to Paul. And the church at Philippi appears to be Paul's favorite. It's the most personal of any letter that he's written. Arta and my dad, John, here in the front know a little bit about Philippi because we talked this week about the way that Paul visited and found Lydia and other women praying together and how Lydia was immediately baptized and converted to Christianity. In 1 Timothy, we talk about the organization and the administration of the churches by Timothy. He's passing the mantle, as it were. He charges Timothy to cling tenaciously to orthodox Christian faith. Always, it's about the importance of the centrality of the belief in Christ. 
In Titus, he talks about the organization and administration of the church, again, this time in Crete by Titus. He warns against false teachers and issues instructions to various classes of Christians on their proper conduct. Finally, this is the last of 13, in 2 Timothy, he commissions Timothy to carry on Paul's work, a final charge to preach the word of God. This is the farewell letter. In 1 Timothy, we read that in all scripture is profitable for teaching. And so when I tell you this next scripture, you have to buckle up. Hang on to your seats, because this one is from a prophet named Amos, and it's a little harsh. You might have heard this one. Out of the New International Version, it reads, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Little harsh, huh? (laughs) This is Amos. Amos was a prophet. So these words are spoken on God's behalf. That's hard to hear that God hates our assemblies, hates our gatherings, hates the food, hates the music. But when Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in his version called The Message, it's a little more understandable. Listen with me. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's all I want. That's what I want. So you can hear here how Eugene Peterson has taken it out of the realm of just bitter words and helped us to understand that what God wants is for us to love each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. And when we do all of the things we do, and we have come to know over all these years as church, we do them from a Christ center. When we were sitting at annual conference, a friend asked me, Do you really think that this, meaning annual conferencing, seconding the amendment to the amendment to the amendment with a friendly amendment, do you really think, she asked, that this is furthering the coming of the kingdom of heaven? I wasn't sure she was serious at first, but she was seriously wondering why all of us were sitting there voting on amendments. And really, I think that's what this verse from Amos is all about. It's not about the rote procedure, the arguing, the bickering. It's about the Christ center, bringing justice and fairness, encouraging each other and lifting each other up. That's what God wants. It's said that in the Bible, the phrase, or something like it, do not be afraid, happens 365 times. 
I haven't been able to figure out where those 365 times are. I think that the person who did it might be using phrases that mean something similar, because if you look in a concordance for almost any version, you can't find that many. But I think it's a nice thought. So even if it's not accurate, there's truth in it that God, through Jesus, through Paul, through the prophets, tells us over and over again, do not be afraid. Can you say that with me? Do not be afraid. And I think this is the message most that I hope to leave you with. Because when we are afraid, and there's plenty to be afraid of, when we are anxious, and there's plenty to be anxious about. When things are changing and we don't feel like we can keep up, we can remember that one time for each day of the year, the Bible tells us, do not be afraid. Over and over again. Because when we are afraid and anxious and our anxiety infects someone else, it's like a contagion. All of that hatred and anger and unrest roils, and it makes for a fractious environment. It devastates people. It devastates relationships. And it devastates community. So I want you to remember to love one another, to draw closer to one another in relationship, and do not be afraid. In 2 Timothy, God gave us a spirit of fear, but of, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. Jesus leaves us with Jesus' peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Do not be afraid. Encourage one another. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that connects you with others, that edifies the body of Christ. Not the walls of the building, not the institution, not the conventions and conferences that God hates. The relationship is what God loves and what God calls us to. In Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And Galatians again, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When I talk about love one another, love one another in John 13, verse 34, the phrase one another is the Greek word alelion, which means one another, each other, mutually, reciprocally. It occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. And approximately 59 of those occurrences are specific commands teaching us how and how not to relate to one another. We are called to love one another, John 13, 35. Love one another, John 15, 12. Love one another, John 15, 17. Love one another, Romans 2, verse 10. Love one another, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, and on and on and on and on. We are called to relationship. 
to build up the body of Christ by encouraging each other and working together. And you know what happens? A pretty special things happen. Something that we celebrated not too many weeks ago when the church was created. The end of Acts 2, verses 42, we hear that they devoted themselves to the apostles' instruction. This is what the church did. This is what made it a church. They studied God's word and communal life to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. A reverent fear overtook them all for many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostle. Those who believed lived together, sharing all things in common. They would sell their property and goods, sharing the proceeds with one another as each had need. They met in the temple and they broke bread together in their homes every day with joyful and sincere hearts. They took their meals in common, praising God and winning the approval of all the people day by day. God added to their number those who were being saved. That's what the church is. Relationship. Building each other up. Loving one another. Not being afraid. Not infecting each other with our anxiousness. Loving each other. That's an awful lot of words. <laughs> I, you can go back to the recording, I suppose. But love one another. Maybe, maybe Wesley's three simple rules is the best way for you to take this forward into your life. Wesley's three simple rules. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen.